You're listening to the Mariner's Church Podcast. Wherever this message finds you, we welcome you. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and share this with your friends. We invite you now to receive this week's message from Senior Pastor Eric Geiger. Welcome to Mariner's Church Online. We gather every week to remind ourselves that Jesus has made us right with God and he's made us right with one another. We are created in the image of God. Every single person walks with the fingerprints of God on their life as image bearers of God. This last week has been a troubling time in our country and in our cities uh, and in our lives. We spent time as a staff on Tuesday in our staff check-in, and we heard from the black brothers and sisters who are on our team here at Mariners about the pain that they have struggled with, about the pain that they are experiencing in this season, in this moment. And because Christ has made us right with God and right with each other, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And when part of the body of Christ mourns, the rest of the body of Christ should mourn. And so we listened and we mourn in Christ, our black brothers and sisters, how important they are to us and how our church staff is so much better because of them. And I wanna say to you, our black brothers and sisters who call Mariner's Church your home, we are so much better because of you. We are so honored and so grateful that you are part of our church. You make our church better and we love you so much. I got to share how this week for me, I oscillated between anger and maybe even rage to helplessness and despondency. And then, and then I had my church tell me, Christian, we see you and we pray for you. And as they were praying for us, I was reminded of all our other black brothers and sisters from Marianas Church, I was reminded of Carol who had called me in anguish and in pain. Chuck and Carol, we see you and we pray for you. I was reminded of my brothers and sisters like Isaiah or Corey and Nicole, the Gladneys. I was reminded of the Hunts. Charlie Hunt who grew up in segregated Virginia and he served in the army for four years as an army captain. And he was part of the civil rights movement. Chuck and Ross just celebrated 52 years. We're grateful for you. We see you and we pray for you. And as we continue to pray, I was reminded of some incredible brothers, Brian and Mike, my white brothers, who serve in the law enforcement, incredible image bearers, who have served day in, day out, especially in this season, who in these moments, their families are always concerned for them. Mike and Brian not only serve in law enforcement, but they've become friends with Rafa from Compton and together they do Bible studies in Compton. Wonderful image bearers to all our law enforcement. We see you and we pray for you. And I was reminded of our first responders like Jeff Foy and Phil Hanlon, 
who are always serving faithfully, we see you and we pray for you. I got some pictures from one of my good friends, we, whose brother's store was vandalized and looted. And that's not okay. We are so sorry. For those of you that have lost property to damage and destruction, we are sorry. We see you and we pray for you. Minus Church, we are beautiful when we are united in diversity. Yeah. Out, of one, out of many, one. Mm. And not like a melting pot where we lose our individual flavor, but more like a flower garden where each and every one of us together make a beautiful aroma and garden of God. Mariners, this is who we are. Amen. Amen. I love, I love my brother and I love my brother's emphasis on image bearers, that every single one of us is created in the image of God, full of splendor and glory because the Lord has created us. C.S. Lewis once said that you have never talked to a mere mortal. Every single person we encounter is an image bearer of the Lord. Church family, I'm, I wanna invite you to participate with our church staff in a day of prayer and fasting. Starting on Monday night, all the way until we break the fast on Tuesday at dinner, we're gonna spend the time seeking the Lord and asking Him to renew our hearts and increase our awe and appreciation for this glorious truth that all are created in His image. And so we're gonna have a guide that is available for you. We have a number on the screen. You just text the word RESPOND to this number and we will get this guide to you and you can join us in a day of prayer and fasting. We have instructions for you on how to, how to pray and fast if you've never done this before. But we wanna pray that the Lord enlarges our understanding that all people are created in His image and are worthy of dignity, care, and respect. Will you pray with me for that end to happen in our lives? Jesus, we are gathered together as brothers and sisters, not because of our goodness or because of our righteousness or because of our color or our background. We are gathered before you because you have rescued us and you are seeking for yourself a people from every tribe, tongue and nation. And so we are honored to stand with brothers and sisters of different ethnicities, knowing we belong to the same family. And Lord Jesus, help us to care when part of our body is hurting. Lord, enlarge our understanding that you have put your image on all of humanity. It's in your name I pray, amen. Amen. Mariners, proximity changes everything. Proximity builds empathy and distance builds suspicion. Hmm. Let's get close to each other. So how do we sing and dance in this season? For me, I was reminded of a message that Eric preached a few weeks ago from Psalm 42, where the psalmist does not only listen to his feelings, but he talks to himself. Amen. He tells himself, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Right. Instead of listening to himself, he talks to himself. Right. This week I had to talk to myself. 
I was reminded of Psalm 103, bless the Lord, all my soul. Mm. I'm not talking to God. I'm not even praying to my friends. I'm yeah. talking to myself. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Forget not His benefits. That's right. For He has forgiven my iniquities and He has healed my diseases. Mariners, would you get up? Would you speak to yourself? Instead of just listening to yourself, would you get up, lift up a pan, get on your couch, do something and worship the Lord because you cannot just sit back and hold back. You've got to stand up and worship the Lord because it is easier to act yourself into feeling than mm. to try to wait for a feeling to wow. come and then you act. So get up on your feet and let us worship the Amen. Lord. Let us declare who He is in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. His grace is amazing. So amazing that saved a wretch like me. Undeserving of his love, undeserving of his forgiveness. But God who is rich in mercy stepped into our world to give us life that lasts forever. Right where you are, at home, if you're watching with your life group, if you're watching by yourself or with your family, Will you spend a moment right now before we study the scripture and just thank God for his amazing grace in your life? Jesus, your grace is so good. Remind us today as we study your word of how good your grace is and how it's been for us, how you are always for us. As we study your scripture, I, I pray um, there's tons of different needs among your people who are listening, and yet you can take your word, I know you can, and, you, and by your spirit, you can minister and bring hope and encouragement to people right where they are. And so, Lord, please do, do what I cannot do. I need you, Lord. I beg you to take your word and apply it to people today. Listen, in your name I pray. Amen. So glad that you are with us this week. And if we haven't met yet, my name is Eric and I'm the senior pastor here at Mariner's Church. How to complain to God. How to complain to God. I had that pulled up on a Word document on my laptop sitting on the couch several weeks ago. And Evie, my youngest daughter, walks by. She sits down next to me and she reads it. How to complain to God. And she says, what? Complain to God? Can, that's crazy. Can you even do that? To which I said, Evie, you have, you have some complaints right now, don't you? you? You've been sad that you're not seeing your friends towards the end of the school year, that you're not seeing your teacher who you've loved so much, um, that you're not able to, to play with friends as much as you have, that you feel kind of confined in our house. I mean, Evie, you've complained during this time. And let me ask you, do you think that God wants you to stuff down your complaints? Or does he love you so much that he actually wants you to come to him? Do you believe that God is angry at you and he, he is embarrassed by your complaints and he, he wishes you didn't have them and he wants you to stuff those down? Or do you believe that God loves you so much that he asks you to bring your struggles and your complaints to him? And what about you? What do you believe about God? 
In a season where there is a lot to complain about in our context and in our culture, do you believe that God wants you to stuff those down or that he welcomes you with your struggles? See, to believe that God actually wants you in the middle of your struggles and in the middle of your pain is to actually believe in the unconditional love of God that he loves you without merit, without limit, that it's not based on you, his love. His love is based on his goodness and his mercy and his grace. And, and if you come to him with your complaints, you're showing God that you trust that his love is fixed on you. Or you can try to stuff down your complaints. And in that moment, we show God that we actually think his love is changing and we need to fix ourselves up before we come to this great God. How do we complain to God? We're going to look at a Psalm today, Psalm 142, and we're going to learn how to actually bring our complaints about the situations we find ourselves in. We're going to see how to actually complain to God in the middle of crazy times. How do we actually complain to him? And the fact that this psalm is in the Bible says several things about this God that we worship, this God that we just sang songs to, this God that we follow. I mean, the fact that he put this psalm in the Bible says a lot about him. It says that he is secure and sufficient, that he's not threatened by our doubts. He's not um, pushing us away when we have struggles because he's secure in who he is. He's not going to change who he is based on public opinion. He's fully set in who he is. So we have a God who is firm, a firm foundation that we can go to with our struggles. The other thing we can see that this Psalm being in the Bible shows us about the character and nature of God is he's loving and gracious, that he wants you. I mean, think about this. God actually put Psalms like Psalm 142 in the Bible where his people are struggling and they bring a complaint to God and God puts it in the Bible. He doesn't redact it. He doesn't take it out of the scripture because he's saying, when you have a struggle, come to me. I want you. I want you to come to me. We also see that Psalms like 142 are in the Bible that our Lord understands the human experience, that we don't worship a God who is far away from us and distant. We worship a God who stepped into our culture in the person of Jesus Christ and is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, in, in our struggles. He gets you. I mean, he understands the struggle that you have, the complaint that you have. Psalm 142 being in the Bible, it shows us that and it teaches us that. And so I want us to see this incredible psalm and, and we're gonna see actually, okay, if I can complain to God, how should that complaint look? How can I actually complain to God? All right, so let's look at Psalm 142 and the prescript. So this is in the original language. If you have your Bible open, you'll see something like this right above verse one. And it helps us understand the context of this psalm. A mascal of David, um, theologians debate what that means, but basically this psalm is written by David. When he was in the cave, a prayer. Now, this is really fascinating because several weeks ago, actually in the month of March, we looked at another psalm that had the same kind of prescript, Psalm 57, that David prayed while he was in the cave. And so what's going on is David is going to be the king of Israel. He's not yet the king because the 
King currently is a man named Saul who hates David and is chasing David all across the countryside and is trying to ruin David's life. David has lost so much. He's in hiding in the cave in fear of his life. His name has been slandered. People have left him and abandoned him. He feels completely alone and trapped. It's David. He's in a cave and he's fleeing and he prays this to God. And in the same prescript is above Psalm 57, And yet Psalm 57 and Psalm 142 are very different Psalms. Psalm 57, there is no complaint in Psalm 57. Psalm 57, if you remember when we studied it, David says, I love God so much, I wake up the dawn with singing. That's how much I love God. He says, God, I'm in this physical cave, but you're really the cave I run to. He says, I'm gonna declare you among all the people, Psalm 57 in the middle of a crisis is David filled with all of this joy because of God. But Psalm 142, which we're about to read, is not that. It's it's David complaining. So check this out. I want you to see this. Same cave, okay? Same situation, same person, two very different prayers. And you may be thinking, well, I mean, what's going on there? Is that contradictory? No, it's real life right? I mean, isn't that how we often feel? I mean, same person, same situation, same struggle. There are moments when we feel optimistic and faith-filled about a moment, and then there's moments where we just feel overwhelmed by the moment. That's David, totally real, completely just straight up real life. In one moment, he's like, God, I'm going to wake up the dawn singing about you. And then in Psalm 142, God, I have, I have a complaint and I'm really struggling. It's totally real life. And, and I've, I've been this way too. And so have you. I mean, in the middle of this season we find ourselves in, even these last couple of weeks, there's moments where I am feeling completely overwhelmed with the pain and the brokenness in our world And then there's moments where I'm filled with faith and optimism because I see the beauty of God's people stepping up, trying to lead in the middle of a global pandemic. There's moments where I pray prayers like, I mean, if God is for me, who can be against me? Boom, our church is moving forward. I mean, this is amazing. And then there's moments where I pray different prayers like, God, why are you far off? Come fix this now. And I carry both emotions at the same time. And you probably carry both emotions at the same time, don't you? Don't you sometimes in the same day have moments that are filled with such faith and optimism and then in the same day have moments that feel completely overwhelming? I mean, are you you understanding that the Bible is written by this, this Psalm is written by David who understands that moment. I mean, he understands exactly what it feels like to carry two emotions at the same time. And so this Psalm, Psalm 142, which we're gonna read now, is him voicing a complaint to the Lord. So let's look at the first two verses. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Now, now there's four things he does in the first two verses. We're actually gonna underline this for you. I want you to see. He says, I cry. So this is a a, a very emotional psalm. This is how overwhelming the context that David finds himself in. He's crying to the Lord. He pleads aloud to the Lord for mercy. So so notice this, I'm 
pleading aloud. This is not, you know, a cute little prayer at the dinner table that's silent, that's uh, repeating the same thing every time you pray. I mean, this is walking down the street uh, in the middle of the night, overwhelmed and begging. This is, I can't sleep and I'm pacing around the apartment or I'm in the backyard and I'm begging God to intervene. I need his mercy and I'm saying this aloud. This is the kind of moment David is in. He pours out my you may, may have been surprised to see this in the Bible. Um, this is David saying, I, I have a complaint. I'm actually bringing a complaint before the Lord. He, he's not saying, um, I, I have a complaint and, I, and, I, and I'm gonna type it all up and, and be sure it's completely nuanced before I bring it to the Lord. That's not what he's doing. He's crying, he's pleading, and he, he's just being honest. This is raw. He brings this raw and honest prayer before the Lord. And notice this phrase, I reveal my trouble to him, which is fascinating, right? The word reveal, because we know that God already knows the trouble that David has. And so some person could say, well, why are you revealing if God already knows? But understand, God doesn't interrupt David. Even though God already knows the pain that David is in, the moment that is overwhelming for David, God doesn't say to David, I already know, shh, shh. No, God longs for us to come to him. And even though he already knows, he wants you to talk to him. And so this is what David is doing. Now, if you've studied the scripture before, you might be a little confused on a Psalm like this because there are other verses in the scripture that say, we are to do everything without complaining or mumbling or arguing. And so the scripture says, don't complain, yet there's this passage where David brings his complaint. How do we reconcile those two realities? Well, here's the reality. Even though the scripture encourages us to be people that are filled with hope and joy and to not be complainers, the reality is this world beats us up and oftentimes we do have complaints, valid complaints in our life. The situation David found himself in was a valid complaint. He was not being treated rightly. He was not being treated as an image bearer of God. He was not being treated as he should have been treated. And he brings a complaint to God. Here's what we learn. In a perfect world, and when we are perfectly obeying the Lord, we would be so filled with joy that we wouldn't have a complaint, but in an imperfect world where things aren't perfect, we have these struggles and these complaints, and God doesn't want us to fake it. Understand, God is not asking you to just put on a happy face and get through with life. He loves it when we complain to him. And so what is David's complaint? What is his complaint? The next uh, several verses actually show it. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, they have hidden a trap for me. So these, these people are against David. They've hidden a trap for him. I look to the right and see no one stands up for me. There's no refuge for me. No one cares about me. I'm all alone. And it seems, David says, God, I'm coming to you, but it seems like no one else but you cares about me. He continues, listen to my cry for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison, so he feels imprisoned in this cave. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal 
generously with me. Now, I want you to see the end of the psalm. He begins with a complaint, yet at the very end, he says, still, God, you deal generously with me. In the middle of his complaint, he's saying, God, you're still good to me. You are still generous to me. And so he's struggling and he's wrestling, but he still sees the generosity of the Lord. And not every complaint in the scripture is this way. Not every complaint is God honoring. And we're gonna see that in the scripture, there's other people who have brought complaints to the Lord and they're not God honoring complaints. And so with David, he brings a complaint and he says, the Lord is still generous to me. And God fulfilled his promise to David. David then later becomes king. God is indeed generous to David, but God's not generous to everybody who complains. In fact, let's look at the Israelites, uh, their complaint. This is a famous passage in the scripture in Exodus chapter 16. They have a complaint before the Lord and they aren't dealt with generously. Remember, the Israelites were rescued from Egyptian captivity and they are now wandering in the desert for 40 years before they go to the land that God promises them. They start complaining to God. And when they complain to God, God doesn't deal with them generously. He deals with them justly. And the entire generation, other than Joshua and Caleb, actually die in the wilderness and they don't get to go into the land. David he brings a complaint to God. God deals with him generously and David becomes king. Israelites, they bring a complaint to God and God doesn't deal with them generously. He deals with them justly and they don't get to go into the land. So what's the difference between David's complaint and the Israelites' complaint? I mean, we wanna learn. I wanna learn from this. I wanna complain the right way to God. Well, look at the Israelites' complaint. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if we had only died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted, instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. In this moment, you see a very different attitude towards God from the Israelites than from David. They both bring complaints to God, but a very different posture of the heart. And so we wanna be sure we complain to God the right way. Because when David complained to God, he did it in a way that caused God to deal with David generously. When the Israelites complained to God, they did it in a way that caused the Lord to not deal with them generously. And so what's the difference? Two thoughts I wanna give you from this passage. Here's how you complain to God. Here's how I should complain to God. Number one, we should complain about our context, not the Lord's character. Complain about your context, not the Lord's character, number one. Number two, View the Lord as your portion, not as your prosecutor. Number one, let's talk about what it means to complain about our context and not the Lord's character. The context of 2020 has been, and many have said it, just a 
crazy first six months of 2020, even before the tensions and the horrible things that we've seen over the last several weeks, 2020 has been, just for many people, the craziest year you could live in. But there's really a difference in how David complained about his context and how the Israelites complained to God. David remembered the goodness of the Lord in the middle of his context, and the Israelites, they rejected the goodness of God. So David is in a cave and he complains about his context. He complains that the walls are closing in, that people have rejected him. But in the middle of his complaint, he's reminding himself of the goodness of God. He's complaining about his context, but he's not complaining about the character of God. He's remembering the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the generosity of God. He's holding tightly to the character of God in the middle of a context that is really messing with him. Israelites completely different. As they complain, and we saw the passage of scripture, they actually question and reject the goodness of God. They don't remember the goodness of God. They reject the goodness of God. They essentially said to the Lord, God, it would have been better if we had not been rescued. If we had been in Egypt and you hadn't pulled us out of our captivity, we reject your goodness. We wish we could go back. That it would essentially be like you saying or me saying to God, God, I wish I wasn't even your son or daughter. I wish I hadn't have been rescued by you. This was painful for the Lord to hear because they weren't simply complaining about their context. They were complaining about the Lord's character. And you know this personally to be true. When someone complains about their context and it involves you, um, it, it feels different than if someone complains about your character, about who you are. And the Israelites were actually questioning the character of God. They even said, Lord, it would, it would be better if the Egyptians fed us, that is who their captors were, than you. I mean, the Lord was feeding his people every single day. This is before Uber Eats and DoorDash were invented. And every single day, God was showing up with food for them. God was being good to them. But instead of remembering the goodness of God, they rejected the goodness of God. Our black brothers and sisters in the Lord have been such an incredible example to us in this as they have felt the weight of oppression and the sting of racism, as they have brought their trouble to the Lord, they have done this while holding on to the character of God and the goodness of God. As they have cried aloud to the Lord and pleaded aloud for mercy and poured out their anguish and complaint before him and revealed their trouble to him, they have held tightly to the goodness of God and the grace of God in the midst of deep challenges. What an example they have been to us. And may we be the same. May we complain about our context, but never complain about the Lord's character for he is good and his faithful love endures forever. So number one, when you complain to the Lord, complain about your context, but never about the Lord's character. And here's number two, view the Lord as your portion, not as your prosecutor. View the Lord as your portion, not as your prosecutor. See, David believed the Lord was his portion. He says, God, all I have is really you. 
You're the best thing I can have. You're my portion. And because the Lord is David's portion, when his circumstances around him are crumbling, he's still satisfied because he's not looking for those circumstances, as painful as they are, to satisfy him because the Lord is his portion. The Israelites, very different in their complaint. They aren't loving God for God. They only want God so God will do something for them. God isn't their portion. The only reason they're following God is so that God will give them something else. And so big lesson here, when we are following God for God, when we believe that he is our portion, then we can look at the painful circumstances of life and they don't completely crush us because the Lord is who satisfies us. But when we follow God, not for God, and we only follow him for the circumstances that we hope he will give us, when the circumstances don't happen the way we want them to happen, we are then crushed and we are disappointed in God because he hasn't done for us what we want him to do when we want him to do it. And so are you following God for God or are you following God because you hope he'll do something for you? Is the Lord your portion? Is he what you long for and what you need? Have you ever felt the pain of being used? When somebody wants to be your friend or be close to you at work and you find out weeks later or months later that they didn't really wanna be your friend for you, but they only wanted to be your friend so you would do something for them? Have you ever felt the pain of being used? This happened to me um, several years ago when I was a senior vice president in a, at a publishing company. And, and right when I got that job, it seemed like a bunch of people who I had been friends with in the past, all of a sudden wanted to be friends with me again. And it didn't take long for me to realize that they didn't want me for me They wanted me so I could get them a book deal or I could get them a speaking engagement or I could help with their platform. And and it started to hurt that these people who hadn't been friends with me for a long time all of a sudden wanted to be friends again or all of a sudden wanted to have lunch with me or all of a sudden wanted um, to be close with me. And and I started to realize, and it it was hard for me to even understand um, who really wanted me for me and who wanted me because I could do something for them. And it was painful. Have you ever felt that? Somebody wanting you, not for you, but so you could do something for them. As painful as it was for me and as offensive as it is for you, when someone wants you, not for you, but for something you could do for them, imagine how it is for God. Because I'm not perfect and righteous, but our God is perfect and righteous. I'm not holy and I'm not all the time good, but our God is holy and all the time good. Imagine as we, you can understand how offensive it is for God when we use him. When we say, God, I'll follow you, but not for you. I follow you if you'll do this for me. But when we do that, we end up like the Israelites complaining because life doesn't go how we wanted it to go. David was complaining, but the whole time he's holding on. He's holding on to the goodness of God. He complained about his situation, but he didn't complain about his savior. He complained about his context, but he didn't complain about the Lord's character. He viewed the Lord as his portion, not as his prosecutor who was against him. The Israelites were like, God, you're against us. You haven't done for us what we want you to do for us because they followed God, not for God in that season. So how does this Psalm end? What happens at the conclusion of 
Psalm 57, which we read several weeks ago, and Psalm 142, what takes place next? What happens when you bring your complaint to God and you meet with him? David starts complaining, but he walks away praising. What happens? What took place for David is really a remarkable story. The rest of the story is in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And in 1 Samuel 24, we see that David is in the cave, the same cave where he prayed these prayers to God. And this is crazy, the timing of God, what God does. Saul, who's been chasing David for all these years, goes into the cave. Kids, you may actually like the end of this story. He goes, it's, it's, it's rated PG-13 though, so hang with me. He goes into the cave, Saul does, and he the scripture says he relieves himself, which means he, he goes to the bathroom, okay? So he goes into the cave to use the potty. And so he's in the cave, he's in a very uh, vulnerable position. And as he's in this vulnerable position in the cave, David has an opportunity to kill Saul. I mean, this is crazy. The guy who has been tracking David for all of this time, David has been asking God, Lord, please make things right. Saul comes into the cave. I mean, some of David's men are saying, David, this is the perfect time. Go behind him in this. We'll get a picture. We'll put it on Insta. And then boom, everything is going to be awesome from now on with the rest of your life. So David walks up behind Saul and he takes out his knife and he cuts a section of his rope. That's all he does. He cuts a section of Saul's robe. Saul doesn't even know that David did that. Saul then goes out of the cave and David comes out with a section of his robe, a piece of his robe. And David says, I am sorry for cutting a piece of your robe. Though you have done this to me, the Lord is the one who brings justice. Though you have done this to me, the Lord is the one who's going to make things right. And David actually deals generously with Saul. How can David do that? How in the world can David show up and deal generously with Saul after he's been victimized by Saul all of those years? The only way he can is if he's overwhelmed with the generosity of God. That's the only way he can. And the only way we can often get through some of the painful moments in life is if we are overwhelmed with how the Lord deals generously with us. There's another king that came to that same region years later, born in the same city that David was born in, the city of Bethlehem. This king, his name is Jesus. And this king walked in those same hills. And on a hill, on a Friday afternoon, this king put himself on the cross for us to deal generously with us so that all of our sin would be pulled off of us and placed on him so that we would be forgiven and brought into an everlasting relationship with God. We can bring our complaints to this God. But as we do, we remember that the Lord has been so good and so generous to us. He loves us so. Let's sing this song and remember God's great love to us. Amen. His love for us is deeper and wider than we can ever imagine. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you, actually from the scripture. Some of you are new to Mariners in this 
season, and we're so glad that you've been joining us, and we hope that when we can gather physically again that you'll join us and gather physically, and every week we do this. We pray a prayer of blessing over God's people as we leave. And where did that come from? Actually, in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, when God's people would gather, there was a priestly blessing, and I'm gonna read this over you today. And that's really where this comes from for us at Mariners. And when the priest would pray a prayer of blessing over God's people, it was a, it was a moment of them receiving and of the priest declaring that God was gonna walk with his people. And here we are now in this season of life, in the time where the Lord has gathered together people from different tribes, tongues, and nations, and he's still pursuing people from every single ethnicity. And so this blessing is for you, it's for all. At the end of our service, we're gonna have a video celebrating all the things that the Lord has been doing in our midst in 2020, as crazy as 2020 has been. And these things are happening because of your generosity, so thank you. For those of you who give, so grateful for your generosity. Will you open your hands and let me pray this prayer of blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message today. If you are in need of prayer, our prayer team is available for you at marinerschurch.org prayer. You can also contact us through our email at info at marinerschurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe and for other ways to stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Mariners Church.